Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. This is part two of two, and really the topics kind of go hand in hand, but we decided to separate them largely because the first episode just got so long, but also just to create clarity and try to separate the two to make it easier to digest uh, for anyone who listens to it as it can get a little bit confusing. So in part one, we looked at protein distribution, which is basically saying, is there any magic to spacing your protein out? And is there only a certain amount of protein that you can get in a sitting? Oftentimes it's told that, you know, anything above 30 grams, you, you don't, you don't get anything over the 30 and it just becomes expensive pee. And while there certainly is a threshold where once you go beyond that amount, there's no advantage, it's also not so precise to be 30 grams. So we look at, you know, what happens if you go over that? What happens if you're below it? And we also give you some actual numbers to figure out what your protein needs should be. So again, all of that is wrapped up in part one, which is linked in the show notes here. This week, we're going to look at part two. Is there a window for nutrition to make sure that you're maximizing the effects from the workout that you do and typically this stems from the idea that you need to be getting in a protein drink while you're doing your last set if you're in a gym or you need to be getting a protein drink in as you come off the trail if you're doing some sort of ultra training and the idea behind that is is that if you miss this window of opportunity which is typically 60 minutes then you miss your opportunity for reaping any rewards from that workout and so we look at is that true how narrow is that window does that advice change or is there a difference if a person's in the fasted state versus the fed state in other words do they practice intermittent fasting or do they kind of just space their meals out every three to four hours does timing matter in either of those scenarios and what are just some simple ways that we can prevent muscle breakdown because activity calorie deficits things of that nature can cause the muscle to break down um, and is there anything that we can do to encourage the building of that muscle? So lots of things covered. We reference a few articles, articles in both part one and part two are linked if you want to look at those. Um, and as always, if you have any topics, questions that you want to cover, please send them to info at v2pnutrition.com. Without further ado, let's jump in and look at part two this week. All right. Article two the anabolic window of opportunity which basically says you need to within 60 this is the theory within 60 minutes of completing your workout whether it's a run whether it's a hike whether it's a bike whether it's a lifting session whatever you need to be consuming 30 grams of protein and some sort of carbohydrate to maximize that workout to maximize the 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 fruit of that workout to see any kind of like muscle growth have you ever heard that or do you follow it or have you ever followed it um no yeah i mean i guess i tried to follow that years ago in some contexts and again that was more when i was like kind of lifting specific and trying to put on some some size and strength and so of course you start reading anything along those lines and this is super common advice um so yeah historically i have i think for me, as I mentioned, it's kind of a, a natural pattern now because I'm just usually doing most of my workouts, regardless of what type they are, early in the morning, um, usually fasted after waking and then just naturally having breakfast afterwards. I don't, I don't feel in a rush. Like today was a good example where I got home from a workout at mm, probably 6.30 
Um, and then with today being a snow day, like normally my kids and wife are up and getting ready for the day, but they weren't, they were sleeping in. And so I didn't worry about like making breakfast or doing much of anything till they got up at eight. And then as even a little bit afterwards was like, okay, it's eight 15 probably, uh, where I had breakfast. So, you know, an hour and 45 minutes, which again, some people who were following this philosophy we're talking about would be like, oh my gosh, you missed the window, right? You waited an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, but yeah, it's not something I worried about. Did you, when you read this, was there anything in the article itself that stood out to you specifically, like even in the abstract? Nah, not necessarily. I think I was just, you know, being familiar with this idea and I just feel like it's so, so prominent. Um, yeah, it's just like, that's where my head was like, okay, here's this idea. What does the science say? And so again, I'm, uh, yes, the abstract, I think was helpful in a summary, but I'm, I'm more interested in like, all right, Kyle, what did you pull out of this? Like make sense of this. What are the little nuances that I missed over in reading this that again, mm -hmm. you can explain much better. Yeah. I, and I love, man, I just love our articles like this. Like, I mean, part of my job is to look at things very objectively and take my own personal bias, emotion, my own strategies out of it. And, but man, does it feel so good whenever <laughs> the science just keeps proving itself over and over and over and over again, and just how simple it is. And I love it. I love it so much because it just makes nutrition approachable and doable for everyone. Right. And, and I think that's one of the things that like we'll find at the end of this. So the article really was looking to find out, is this true? Is there a window of opportunity that exists where you have to stuff nutrition into your day in a certain time window after you finish workout so the body can maximize the nutrition that it's getting in an effort to reward you for the work that you've done? And what they found out was, nope, you don't. The window of time is more like a barn door. And the reason they compare it to more of a barn door as opposed to a window is the amount of time that it takes from you to consume a meal for it to peak in you, the, the nutrients to do their jobs in you at their, their peak amount, and then basically go over that, that, that curve of the peak and go back down to where it's at a baseline and you're hungry again is about five or six hours. Most of us are eating again within that five and six hour window. So for example, you have a lunch at one o'clock, you get off at four and you go work out, you finish by five. That's a four hour window. In theory, you're still metabolizing what you ate for lunch. So there are nutrients already in you being pushed into your cells for recovery and growth of the muscle, right? So that's why there really is no window of opportunity. Now, the one place that they did look at this and say, nah, timing might matter. And I would be really curious to hear what you say on this is for people who fast, for people who do any type of activity based on either intermittent, inter, intermittent fasting, meaning small windows of the day or for long periods of the day. And thinking about that simple idea of there's no overlap from recent meal consumption to digestion to delivery of the muscle whenever you're fasting, the process that stimulates the muscle breakdown after a workout happens and it can't repair itself because there's no nutrition on board to repair itself. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. 
not in those terms. That's that's insightful. I don't. So again, going back to my context of this morning, I did that workout fasted, right? So I didn't have this overlap. And so, yes, I waited an hour and 45 minutes to consume something after the workout, but the workout actually came after, uh, let's see, 10 hours. Yeah. 10 ish hours. Cause I actually did have a snack before bed last night, 10 hours of fasting. So then I had 10 hours of fast, a workout for roughly an hour, and then another hour and 45 minutes before I actually consumed anything. Yeah. So I think it, I mean, it, 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 again, everything has to be viewed through the context of optimal versus practical. We are not talking about like, you know, a person, even, even someone who's intermittently fasting for 20 hours or more, we're not talking about if you work out, then you're all of a sudden going to be, you know, start getting depleted from your nutrition and basically wither away to nothing. That, that's not necessarily what we're saying. But we are saying that if you're noticing problems in performance, if you're noticing the inability to increase your strength, the inability to improve your times on the trail, the inability to increase the amount of weight that you're carrying in a pack whenever you're doing weighted pack training hikes, a large part of that could be because of the fasted state, because we know that it takes a little while for meals to peak and after you eat them. And so if there's nothing already on board, there's nothing that's going to be there to be able to recover that muscle, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So maybe this is like too deep. So feel free to tell me to shut up with this question, but this is what pops in my head. The idea of muscle breakdown then, right? Um, and let's even say it was specific strength workout. So you truly did get some level of muscular fatigue, muscular failure, or what have you. The idea of breakdown and then the idea of consumption of calories, especially with protein for repair. We've talked about like kind of this window on getting the nutrition to the muscle, but this idea of breakdown, what is there any science on what type of time window is involved in that aspect, not the nutrition aspect, the repair aspect, but let's say we let quote unquote breakdown occur for a window. Do, do you see what my question is? Yeah. Yep. That's a good, so that's a good question. So whenever you, it, so in, in a fasted state, muscle breakdown is actually not that high immediately after, but as it starts to go two to three hours, it becomes very, very high. And what's most interesting is it extends for 24 hours, right? So let's say that like, there's some people who will fast for 24 hour periods and then they'll eat and then they'll fast for 24 hour periods and they'll eat muscle breakdown in the fasted state is very high two to three hours after, after a workout, but can continue for up to 24 hours after that in the fasted state. So even if you feel amazing, the very role of the workout itself is going to, I mean, everyone has heard about the muscle breaking down and then recovering, and that's how performance improves. If there's not nutrition on board, that cycle of continued muscle breakdown will continue to happen, right? And so that is one of the potential negative side effects of fasting for really, really long periods of time. I don't think an hour, an hour and a half, in my opinion, isn't I think the difference in your scenario, your specific scenario is that you had eaten all day yesterday. There was a 10 hour window where you were mostly resting and then you had something, you know, an hour and a half afterwards. So I think that that hour and a half afterwards was the difference maker. If you, if it was now 
1140 in Missouri and you still hadn't had anything, then we could be negative, maybe talking about negative consequences from the muscle breakdown because there's no nutrition on board to recover. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. kind of answer it? Yeah, no, it does for sure. Yeah. But one thing that, you know, comes to mind is, and we've talked about this, but just to highlight it is don't get so consumed with timing and trying to like, especially if you're in a deficit, right? So if you're on a weight loss journey right now, just fully realize that calories are needed to not only recover from the effort, but fuel the effort. And so being in too much of a deficit or trying to manage the timing of your intake with these longer fasted windows can be so stinking detrimental to the physical effort that you're trying to put in. And so, um, yeah, just to me, it's like, I see people get stuck in that. I know some guys right now who are doing more of this longer fasting window, but then there's some of the guys that work out with early in the morning and then they are coming into a workout fasted and then they're not eating for like six hours afterwards. And it just seems counterproductive in a lot of ways. And, and I think, I think you're right. And like one of the, I did a podcast not long ago about the benefit of potentially the potential benefit of intermittent fasting. And that is if, if structurally speaking, it helps someone adhere to the program better, like it helps them, like if they're in a deficit, for example, and it helps them adhere to that deficit because they get larger meals when they are eating. That's one topic of conversation. But if, if it's under the assumption that intermittent fasting is this key that unlocks the door to weight loss or unlocks the door to fat burning, it's not simply isn't true, right? From a scientific standpoint, if you're trying to maximize the benefit and the value of your workouts and you're trying to continue to increase performance while simultaneously losing weight, you'd be better off to control your calories and eat frequently, right? Because we know that the beauty of having fuel on board is that it attenuates, it stops or it prevents the breakdown of muscle and through spiking insulin. And that is a big oh no, no in the world of intermittent fasting, right? Like spiking insulin, because most of us associate it with endocrine issues for people who have diabetes. And so for an individual who has diabetes and is not active, then you don't want insulin to spike. But even in individuals who have diabetes, we find that activity, sugar intake with activity doesn't spike insulin the same way that it does whenever you're inactive. The game changer here is that you're active and that you probably don't have endocrine issues. So you want insulin to spike. And what was one of the most interesting things in that study was they... They, they took, so this was a review of several studies. One of the smaller studies within the review was they took a group and they gave them 75 grams of carbs, 40 grams of protein, 15 grams of fat, which would basically be like giving someone a hamburger with a fruit salad or a couple of eggs, a Greek yogurt and pancakes, a bagel, you know, a bagel with lunch meat on it and a glass of OJ. Not a giant meal, but enough to supply energy for the workout itself. Insulin was higher at 30 minutes and it continued to remain high up to five or six hours to where it was still still nearly doubled at five hours compared to the fasting group. Now, again, 
it's misunderstood within the general population of people who are adhered to an intermittent fasting because they associate it with spiked insulin, meaning that you are going to develop diabetes. In the world of training and nutrition, insulin spikes not only attenuate or stop or prevent the muscle from breaking down, but it is also a key to making sure that muscle builds up. So we want insulin to spike after a workout. And that really is kind of the key and the difference maker between, okay, there really is no anabolic window if you're eating regularly. If you're not eating regularly, it's not so much that there's a, a certain time that you've got to hit as much as it is important to realize that if there's no fuel on board, the process of continued muscle breakdown will keep going as long as you withhold nutrients from it. And you're potentially missing some advantages in the, in your ability to be able to not only build that muscle back up, but then also simultaneously replace the fuel stores that were used in the muscle for subsequent workouts. Now you may be able to suffer through any workout on the planet, but if you're trying to improve your performance or you're particularly training for a timed event, or you're trying to increase your strength and you're stuck, it could very well be be because of this withholding of nutrition, not even thinking about it being relative to your window of time, but more of thinking about it just in the fact of you're withholding nutrition from your body in all. So it's missing lots of windows of opportunity to really improve your performance. Now, the one thing that I will say is different, or I'll clarify just so we don't get confused is timing with carbohydrate intake when you're on the mountain or when you're training does matter right so again you're utilizing 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour based on the intensity and if you don't replace those within that 60 minute window you will hit a wall so timing in that sense matters we're talking about though just kind of day over day training in terms of people who are you know like us they're just average people who work out and maybe sometimes it goes over 60 minutes but for the most part it, it's not really that's what we're referencing and specifically with people who lift or do any type of resistance training whenever we talk about the the window of opportunity or the post anabolic window of opportunity that most people talk about yeah, yeah i think the the simplification uh, kind of the big takeaway for me is what you highlighted on if you're eating with regularity so again you're not having these you know more than like three to four maybe five hour gaps between meals the 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 window is fairly irrelevant 100 percent. yep that's an excellent synopsis is it going to change anything you do on either of these no i don't think so um yeah i mean i think again my my situation is where i'm kind of having um post-workout meals, regardless, usually anywhere from, yeah, mostly anywhere from, yeah, within an hour to two hours at the most. So I don't have, I'm not like rushing to get this magical window of three minutes or 30 minutes, but at the same time, I'm also not stretching it out beyond more than two hours. So I kind of, and again, I'm having regular consumption through the day. So again, it's to me, it's like, okay, what I have been doing is sufficient. I'm not call it paranoid about making it immediate post-workout. Um, and I'm also not having these too long a gaps where I need to be super strategic either. So for me, it's like, okay, simple, keep doing what I'm doing. It sounds like I'm covered. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that you're like, you've talked about intermittent fasting, so it would be easy to say, 
or someone listened to say, oh, well, you know, he's kind of, isn't he going against the grain of what the recommendation is? Not at all. Your saving grace is the fact that you're, you are fueling all day on most days and you're getting something relatively close to the workout itself. If you'd been, if, if, if someone is fasting for days and also fasting for long periods after they finish the workout, that combination of both of those, now all of a sudden I think the study is basically saying there is a window of time you're missing. It's just huge. You're missing the whole boat, <laughs> yeah. right? So, um, yeah, I think that that's, the, uh, that's kind of the takeaway and the difference maker for sure. Another, another feather in the cap of just mastering the basics, doing them with consistency, Hopefully this helps answer some of the questions that maybe you've had when it comes to protein timing or feeling like you've got to pile in a bunch of nutrition right after the workout and maybe you're not hungry so you've just been forcing it down. Hopefully this helps explain it a little bit better as to why that's not necessarily the case in all circumstances. Uh, If you have any questions or topics that you'd like to see us cover, please send those to info at v2pnutrition.com and we would be more than happy to cover those we appreciate you listening to the valley to peak nutrition podcast if you enjoyed this episode or others please leave us a review if you feel like it might be helpful to some of your friends then please share that with them and like we just mentioned if there's other topics that you want to hear covered as it relates to training and performing optimally in the mountains tell us we'd love to chat about it so until next time have a great week